0: Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors.
1: So I'm Kai Von Rumor, Cowan's uh, aerospace defense team, here to moderate Cowan's first podcast on the exciting emerging eVTOL space. Here to discuss uh, one of the leading participants, Textron. He's gonna discuss Textron's uh, efforts in the area. It's Rob Scholl. Rob is Senior VP and Head of Textron's eAviation aviation Effort. His charter is to leverage Textron's capabilities and build external partnerships to craft a strategy for eVTOL success. So Rob, welcome. Thank you for being with us.
0: Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be the first guest here.
1: Okay, terrific. So, given Textron's leadership in tilt rotor technology, experience in certifying forty aircraft, and you know the company's relationship with likely users like Blade, Wheels Up, etc., you know Textron looks like the only company with all the elements for success in eVTOLS. How come it's been so slow to push the technology?
0: Well, I, I don't know, Kai, that it's, it's, it, we've been slow to push the technology. If you look at eVTOL, there's a number of technologies that really need to come together to enable that. Not only the product, but really the marketplace. As you mentioned, it's not just the aircraft itself, but it's also the customer relationships. But if you talk about the technology, you you know, if you, eVTOLs are going to require things like fly-by-wire technology. We've been utilizing that on our fixed-wing aircraft for decades. Bell's about to certify 525, which will be the first fly-by-wire rotorcraft in the world. Uh, If you look at tilt rotor technology, Bell is the leader in tilt rotor technology uh, with the V-22 and now the V-280 in flight. So we understand that technology. Distributed electric propulsion is something we've been working with for a while. Bell's been using that on the APT program that they've had going. If you look at autonomous operations, which is something a lot of people talk in this space Bell's been working with optional piloted capabilities on the B280 at systems. We have a lot of uh, experience with that. So we understand the technology. What we're looking to see is when all of those technologies come together to enable an aircraft that will provide real value to customers and provide a good economic business case to not only the end users, but to our shareholders as well. So we're definitely not slow on the technology. We We are aggressively investing in the new technologies where it makes sense. We're just trying to do it efficiently and effectively
1: got it so you set up e-aviation in march but uh, in may uh, your ceo scott donnelly was quoted as saying battery technology is not yet advanced enough to make ev tolls a success what are you doing to push battery technology and what really do you think is still needed to make ev tolls a marketing success
0: yeah so We've been spending a lot of time looking at battery technology. If you look across Textron, uh, given all of our capabilities, what we don't really do is uh, develop propulsion for our current aircraft. And so the batteries in this case are kind of the propulsion for these aircraft. And it's an important part as you go to design uh, any type of aircraft, whether it's EV, tall fixed wing, or aircraft, you got to understand the propulsion space. As we look at the battery world, technically, there are batteries today that can enable one of these aircraft to fly. We see it. Over there, I mean, we're confident in that. The challenge is twofold for sure. Certification. Do you have aircraft or batteries for aircraft that can be certified? Um, do they provide the safety and the documentation that the FAA would like to see? I think the bigger challenge though is probably the economics of the battery. If you look at where you know aerospace is today and the batteries that are available to it, they're at a pretty significant premium over other battery technology, specifically lithium ion that you see. We believe to have a a real viable business case for the end market. The acquisition cost of the batteries need to come down. Life cycle continues to need to go up, which will then drive down the overall ownership cost of the batteries. So what we're doing is we're out there talking to suppliers in the battery value chain from the cell level all the way up through the module and pack level to try to understand what their roadmap is for the technology. And that will be one of the factors that helps drive our decision on how fast we invest in the EVTOL space, but the whole electrification space in general. I mean, if you look across Textron, this is a much bigger space potentially than just EVTOL. Um, there's potential applications within Textron Aviation's portfolio, um, some things in Textron Systems. So we're obviously talking to a lot of battery suppliers out there and you know, looking for those partnerships that make sense to give us not only the, tech, the technology, but the economics as well.
1: So that's interesting you say that. You know, you have basically a five-person vehicle, I guess, with the, the Nexus 4, 4E, four passengers, one pilot. And there are others also, I mean, as you know, Archer, Joby, uh, um, Beta, that also have, you know, four passenger vehicles, and they all seem to feel that the battery will be adequate, That that basically... You know, you have a simpler mechanism than an internal combustion engine. How come you are different in terms of what you see as uh, you know, the economics of the battery?
0: Sure, so if you really look at what a lot of people talk about is how automotive is driving battery technology and the cost uh, down, you know, really driving the cost curve. The challenge is, as you look at vertical takeoff, the needs for aerospace batteries significantly diverge from automotive batteries. Automotive batteries are really focused on energy density, and at least in the vertical flight mode for an aircraft, what you're really concerned about is power density. Now, those are not completely separate, those two terms and how you look at it in batteries, but automotive is focused on really energy density. You really need to be focused on power density on the batteries. And so when you look at the economics of it, while automotive is driving costs down, they're not necessarily driving it down on the batteries that we think are going to be required to really give you real performance out of these aircraft, and to also to meet the uh, certification or regulatory needs. If you look at certification, one of the areas that we're watching is the thermal management. I mean, these batteries are generating a lot of power, which has a lot of thermal constraints or restrictions that you have to manage, which can potentially add weight to your aircraft. So we're looking at the different chemistries and pack technology to manage the thermal constraints. Um, so that's an important aspect of it as you look at it overall. So it, it comes down to not only you know certification of the battery itself, but the economics. Then you have to talk about the regulatory requirements, um, and that's really pretty still, still uncertain in this space. So you know traditional aircraft today have thirty minute VFR reserves, forty five at night. Put IFR reserves in there. There's different um, operational concerns for one thirty five operators. It still hasn't been settled in this space, and. If you think about some of the reserves that are available in the batteries, I think that those current regulatory operational constraints still haven't been settled. And that's something that the battery technology has to be able to catch up to provide the reserves necessary to meet the current regulations that are in place.
1: Got it. Scott uh, has said that uh, Textron can enter the market after current eVTOL companies and still be a leader. Do you think the competitors can achieve certification by early 25, as they claim? And, you know, when do you think Textron will have to gate up its eVTOL effort to be successful?
0: Frankly, some of the certification timelines that you see spoken about in the market right now are very aggressive. If you look at both Textron Aviation and Bell, I think it's fairly safe to say that no one has certified more aircraft than those two organizations over the last 10 years. So we probably have a better understanding than anybody out there what it takes to certify an aircraft. So, you know, the Sky Courier is an aircraft that we're in the final stages of certifying and, you know, we're pretty good at it. That's a fairly simple aircraft. We feel like that program is doing very well. And that's something that, you know, it's taken us more years to certify than what's currently being talked about with some of these eVTOLs. I think the technology has to catch up, but frankly, the regulations have to catch up. Um, The FAA still has some, and and EASA, although EASA is a little bit ahead of the FAA, needs to continue to define what the regulations are going to be, not only for the certification of the aircraft, but for the operations of it. So from that perspective, I don't think you know we are behind. Um, we know how to do this, and we're watching the regulation continue to take shape. Um, you know, as far as when we need to really you know aggressively invest, I guess you would say, even though we are investing today in the technology, that's going to be necessary. We'll judge that as the as the entire thing comes together. We're still working to understand specifically what the market for this is going to be. You know, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, a lot of the aircraft in this space are being designed kind of around four passengers and a crew member. But I think we haven't yet seen that market really kind of firm up as that's going to be a viable end market from an operations perspective. I think you've seen a couple other companies propose some other strategies. So as the technology develops, the regulations develop, and what the end market's going to look like, we'll judge our investment strategy accordingly
1: got it so i mean clearly uh, the urban air mobility market the jetsons that's all that all looks very very challenging as as you point out but but there's some other targets that look like they're a lot more uh, addressable for example organ deliveries already done by helicopters package deliveries where you're not going into you know city center areas have to establish uh, a new vertiport or maybe short regional routes like Lillian is proposing where you can basically take off outside of the city and go far enough that it makes sense. Uh, you know, are any of those markets, uh, is that where you would start? Because certainly urban air mobility looks like a long putt.
0: Well, I think you mentioned earlier about our customer relationships. Uh, I think the, the, the great thing about being part of a company like Textron is that I am able to talk to customers in the the spaces that you mentioned, whether it's cargo operations or what we would call special missions, air medical, and out there collecting their feedback. And a lot of their challenges are around the operational side of things. So understanding what they see as the challenges around the operation are informing some of the decisions and research that we're doing now on potential products. I do think from a regulatory perspective, specifically on operations, some of those missions that you mentioned could be uh, maybe a little easier path to certification um, so we're absolutely talking to you know our, our cargo customers utility customers to see what their needs are um, so that could be, very well be a potential potential place to bring this technology to play I think everybody's excited about the urban air mobility market that air taxi Jetson's future as you mentioned but it is probably one of the most challenging applications of the technology is from a product perspective but also from an operation side
1: Absolutely. So where is Textron in terms of developing an operating prototype? Because I gather, you know, the prototypes you have so far have not been flying. Where where are you in that? What's your strategy?
0: Yeah, so we have, uh, you know, you mentioned the Nexus E4D design that Bell's been, you know, looking at for about five years now. And so we have conceptual designs on the drawing board that our engineers have worked on. And we continue to about the, evaluate the technology space, um, you know, specifically around batteries and a couple other factors as uh, uh, electric motors continue to develop. We feel like we're in a position to move pretty quickly on a, a tech demonstrator if that's something we decide to pursue when the time's appropriate.
1: So the interesting thing about EV tolls is that there are all kinds of different designs. I mean, you guys have tilt rotor. Uh, what there's Eve and Beta who basically have fixed rotor with a pusher. Uh, there's Whisk, you know, with, with uh, basically a smaller vehicle. Do you have any thoughts in terms, preliminary thoughts in terms of uh, which, what's the better design? I mean, looking at 4E, it looks like you're kind of in the same camp as Archer, Joby, and those other guys. Like four passengers is probably the one that makes the most sense.
0: Well, that really speaks to the end market that we've talked about, right? What is the mission that you're looking to serve? The urban air taxi mission, as people are tending to coalesce around the fact that you probably need four people, right? If you look at today's environment, a taxi that's driving around New York City, you can probably get four people in that. So I think the end market's kind of comfortable with that. Some of it comes down to what is the mission that you're looking to serve? And so the different designs really drive the ultimate mission that you're looking at, you're looking for. So, um, you know, how much redundancy do you need from a safety and certification perspective, but also, you know, what is the max gross takeoff weight that you're looking to do drives a lot of those design decisions. So I think it also speaks though, Kai, to the, the uncertainty in the marketplace around the technology and the operations, right? If you look today at fixed wing or helicopters, They all generally look the same because the physics have kind of coalesced around what is the most efficient design. And I think that's why if you look at this, when we look at the technology and while we're trying to take a a pragmatic approach to this, is we want to see where the technology roadmap goes, where it's it's going towards down the road. So that way we can try to design the optimal aircraft for the right mission.
1: Got it. So, you know, uh, various competitors also have taken... Uh, Differing approaches to uh, how uh, they would gate up production. I mean, some of them have automotive partners, some of them say no, you got to stick with aerospace. Do you have an opinion in terms of, you know, as you really get into production downstream, what's the best path to follow?
0: Well, I I think... If you look at Textron, we have extensive experience in manufacturing, you know, both on commercial aircraft, military aircraft, and Textron specialty vehicles is doing a lot of manufacturing as well, too. So we feel like we have a pretty good handle on how to, to manufacture these aircraft. I don't think it's unwise to consider partners in any situation um, if you don't have that experience, you know, so we work with partners every day in aerospace to make Manufacturing of our products, um, you know, possible from engine manufacturers to avionics manufacturers. So partnerships, I don't think in and of themselves are are bad. I think you just have to con- consider where your individual skills line up as an organization and what you need to to go to market with. I, I, the manufacturing side of this, in my opinion, is not the the challenge for us at Textron. Obviously, once the product is there in the end market, you just have to make the investments. But that's that's not something that the process of doing that, giving our ex- experience is not uh, intimidating.
1: So what what are the key minimum attributes? What, what What do you think the minimum in a VTOL needs to be successful in terms of a, of a design? Or is that yeah. is that the relevant? What is the relevant question? I mean, you mentioned certification. What is the real relevant question there?
0: Well, I think a lot of it, Kai, for me, comes down to the economics of the end user, right? Whether that's an aircraft owner or aircraft operator, depending on how the market plays out, it also speaks to the mission, right? So let's look at batteries, for example. One of the biggest challenges you have with batteries is how, how quickly can you recharge the battery, right? So if you look at that for an operator who's maybe trying to operate an air taxi, how long can you afford to have the aircraft down for recharging? or how long can you afford to have it down for maintenance? And those items are going to ultimately drive the economics for the end user. And if you as the manufacturer aren't considering those factors from the very beginning design stages of your aircraft, you're not ultimately driving value to that person who's going to purchase the aircraft from you. So you know, to sit here and say it needs to be X number of nautical miles in range and miles per hour, I think it's a little early for us to say that I think as we talk to end customers, you know, from passenger carrying operators to cargo operators, we're getting an idea for what those mission specs are. And so then we're, that's where we, you know, when we talk about battery technology, and the other technology needing to continue to develop. I feel very confident that if we wanted to, we weren't concerned about the economics, we could probably go find a battery today that could make an aircraft fly. But can it do it in a way that is certifiable but also provides the real economics to the end customer is what we think are the kind of the barriers right now when we say the technology needs to continue to develop it's focused more on that than just you know the ability to provide a certain amount of power
1: got it so we've talked about the opportunity of ev tolls but but what about the threat i mean you know that a lot of them are, look like they're designed to replace helicopters, be mo- be quieter, be carbon neutral. So obviously, you know, you 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 know, you have you have a potential threat if any of these other guys get into the market. How do you think about that in terms of looking at this space?
0: Yeah. So if you look at rotorcraft specifically, I don't see these as a threat in the near term. Right? Helicopters serve a, a specific mission. And typically it requires it, well, helicopters, vertical flight in general, requires a lot of power and it's going to be a while before batteries or electric technology can provide over a long period of time the amount of power that, you know, traditional helicopters can with turbine engines or, um, you know, other propulsion systems. and so helicopters are going to continue to play an important role in the marketplace for a long time, whether it's, you know, long-term hover, high-altitude operations. You know, there might be some places where helicopters compete with, you know, your urban air taxis when they're flying into an urban center. I think the noise profiles are something that you mentioned that's going to be really important, but I don't see these uh, replacing helicopters in mass anytime soon.
1: So, I mean, as you're well aware There have been a number of companies have gone out and kind of merged with SPACs and raised a lot of money and I guess bigger redemption rates more recently than when they started. But um, so as you think about, uh, you know, kind of coming to market any rough ballpark of how much it might take, obviously a range probably makes more sense uh, to get to market and any thoughts about, you know, what kind of partnership, you know, elements you'd you'd be interested in to get you there
0: i'm sure you're not going to let me get away with saying a lot of money you know but in this space i think a lot of it comes down to your support structure you know textron we obviously have an infrastructure and a team in place that is knows how to certify aircraft and so i think you know obviously we can we can leverage those capabilities i mean i think you've seen numbers in the hundreds of millions of dollars for some of these companies north of a billion dollars I don't think those numbers for them are out of the realm of possibility uh, to spend to go develop an aircraft like that. It's it's a serious proposition that requires not only a lot of financial resources but also you know uh, manpower, labor that can do it and have a, an inherent knowledge to how to go through the, the certification process. So I think it, it it's it's serious money in the hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more, to bring an aircraft to market. Um, you know, for, for us, we understand that we understand the, the cost to do that. And that's why we're making sure that we're being efficient with our resources. I, I feel confident that as we go through this process, and we decide to bring a product to market, we, we have lots of options available to us um, from a capital standpoint. And so we'll make those decisions at the, you know, our CEO, Scott Donnelly, and Frank Connor, our CFO, will make those decisions as appropriate, if we deem it's necessary to go down that path. So, you know, we're, we're comfortable with where we are now. And, you know, the exciting thing, again, about Textron, and I can tell you from being in this role, we play in enough of the marketplace. We have a reputation with, with suppliers, with customers, um, that, and even regulators, that they are coming to us, talking to us about this space. And when we decide to move, I feel confident that we'll have the partnerships across the gamut uh, that are necessary to go do something like this. So it's it's pretty exciting to be in this role to, to get to talk to the people.
1: Right. So so one of the dilemmas you know I, I could foresee is that you know basically you have an exciting idea, you have a great design, and you're gonna spend a lot of money. So as people look at Textron stock, they see these kind of value businesses, traditional businesses. And then they see you know are they really going to be able to do a sum of the parts analysis and say you know you're losing let's say 100 million on the ev tolls but man it's going to be worth 5 million a billion out there and and sort of fully recognize the value so i mean and also i assume if you're in a separate structure outside of textron perhaps owned 100 percent, the way Embraer does it with eve Uh, you know, you'd have flexibility in terms of partners. Have you given any thought in terms of, you know, the the trade-offs of those kind of structural structures?
0: So we have, I mean, we've thought about the challenge that you articulate, right? And that's why Scott asked me to step into this current role. Previously, I was leading the Global Sales Organization for Dextron Aviation. And, you know, if you're a aviation, you have your exciting projects going on. If you're Bell, you have your exciting projects going on with future vertical lift. And so, yeah, there's a risk that either one of those organizations may not give this, get this focus. So that's what Scott asked me to do is to go out there and say, all right, Rob, this is your focus to look at these new emerging technologies, you know, specifically electrification is where I'm spending a lot of my time. And can we go make a viable business case out of that? I can tell you that I think I have Scott and Frank's support that if we have a viable business case here that makes sense, we, you know, we're gonna go after it. Um we are, you know, keeping our options open as far as potential structures or you know, operations that we could go enable this with. Like I said, I don't think we would have a shortage of partners that would be willing to work with us in this space. We're just continuing to evaluate the technology and the the end markets and uh I, I'm excited that as that continues to develop, I think we're in a unique position to, to go after it when we're when we think it's the right time.
1: Great. So, I mean, you haven't really been at it for that long in terms of looking at the space. Uh, but but when do you, have, you know, hope to have a, a more fully articulated uh, game plan for how you're going to proceed You know to sort of address this market?
0: Yeah, I, I think. Kai, as you look at it, I think what we're looking at is a couple of the key pieces of technology, right? We talked about the battery. So um, as battery technology continues to develop and, you know, hybrid technology continues to develop, we've obviously uh, partnered with Surf Air on Surfair Mobility on the caravan to where they're working on hybrid electric there, um, you know, keeping eyes on other parts of the, the market as well. As that technology develops, that will drive our plan, as well as our discussions with the end customers, right? So as we talk to our traditional customers in both Woodcraft and Fixed Wing, understand where they think the technology is, understand where they think their operations are, that will drive our timeline. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to give you a time today to say, you know, we're going to have something out in 6 12 months. We're really mm-hmm. trying to use a pragmatic approach, working with our customers. And the technology. And I think when we feel like it's the time, we will come out with a, a roadmap.
1: Got it. So just, you know, in, in conclusion, so obviously I think I started out with the point that you guys which you reiterated that you guys have the building blocks to, to basically be, you know, the winner here. You've certified the planes, you've got, you know, the technology you can build the planes. Um, you know, if we get out here three to four years and you've either been successful, or you've not been successful, what do you think the key, you know, risks and opportunities are going to be to kind of get you to success, or maybe prevent you from reaching success?
0: Yeah, well, I'll start with the keys to success. I mean, for us, it's, I think we have great people here at Textron across the board, right? I think that's a key component to our success. So there's a lot of, institutional knowledge that people have, but we also, I think, do a really good job of attracting new talent to come in because we're doing new things, right? Whether you're a Bell or Textron aviation, how many companies give an engineer the opportunity to work on multiple new aircrafts during the course of their career? So I think our people are a key to success. I think our partnerships, our ability to partner, and our reputation with our partners will be a key to success. So whether you're looking at propulsion systems, avionics systems, fly-by-wire systems, they'll be a key to success. I think our financial partnerships, our financial reputation could be a key to success as we go down this. I mean, I think we're a pretty trusted name and that when we say we're going to go do something, we, we go do it. And I think we try to do it as efficiently as possible. So I think that those are kind of three keys to success that I see. I think the risks um, for this market, as you look at specifically eVTOL, is I think that there's a lot of risk on the end market, right? We think, a lot of people think they know what the end market's going to be. And we've seen this in aerospace before with you know, the very light jet market, um, you know, and that was gonna be the, the new air taxi. Well, you know, people talk about that market a lot. For us, that market ended up being a success because we had the Citation Mustang, which brought in a lot of new customers into the Cessna family. And so that's been a great program for us so but I think that's a risk making sure you don't miss the requirements of the end market, and also the economics of the end market is something that's a risk. And then I think getting too far out ahead of the underlying technology that's going to drive this because developing an aircraft like this predicting the end market is is a challenge you also don't want to then compound that with additional multiple technology challenges that underlie it. So. You know, if you look at it, I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there. I think we're uniquely positioned to make it successful, um, but we've got to work with our customers, suppliers, and partners, and, and our great employees to, to make that happen.
1: Terrific. Uh, wish you the best of success, and thanks so much for taking the time to discuss Thank you, Kai. this topic.
0: Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.